The Novelcast is a podcast that is made possible by the support of the fine backers over at patreon.com slash novelcast. Hello, my name is Nicholas Corey, and you are listening to The Novelcast. Cybersaurus, The Awakening, Chapter 46. Stanley saw Sherman, recognizing the man as the one who attacked him in the parking garage. But he was notably different. Stanley was taken aback by the level of cybernetic modification that Sherman had undergone, and almost felt repulsed by the sight of so much metal integrated with so much skin. The Tyrannosaurus, however, didn't care. All it saw was a threat. The dinosaur roared defiantly at Sherman, and then charged. Sherman dropped into a ready stance, knees bent, hands out to his sides, eyes fixated on the dinosaur. The tyrannosaur lunged forward, mouth opening wide, teeth coming towards Sherman with incredible speed. But the bite closed on open air as Sherman rolled towards the animal. Stanley mentally cursed the dinosaur's lack of planning. She basically had one method of attack, and she did it over and over again until it worked. Yet those who watched the dinosaur act, or in Sherman's case, faced it more than once, knew what that single tactic was, and worked out ways to beat it. Sherman came up beneath the dinosaur's bulk, just inches below her small, two-fingered arms. The tyrannosaur backpedaled, straightening her back up, attempting to look down at the agent. Yet Sherman continued to move in, keeping the distance close, using the dinosaur's size against itself. They danced like that for a few moments, the tyrannosaur stepping back and turning, Sherman moving to stay right beneath her, almost stepping onto her clawed feet more than once. The dinosaur roared in frustration, and then did the only thing it knew how to do, and only because it couldn't bite at its foe. The tyrannosaur leaned to one side and lifted its leg high, raising its foot into the air above Sherman's head. Sherman saw the wind-up and reacted accordingly. He put his arms up, crossing them in front of his face, and rushed into the dinosaur's standing leg. His metallic forearms struck the animal's flesh and muscle, causing her other foot to come down prematurely and awkwardly. The dinosaur stumbled, all of its weight shifting from the leg that Sherman struck to the one that came crashing down behind him. Sherman kept low and moved out behind the animal, ducking under its swinging tail. The predator sensed the movement and turned, keeping her head low, jaws clamping as she came around. But once again they closed on nothing but air, as Sherman was already on the move. When she leaned down to bite at him, he was already around the other side, near her opposite forearm. He reached up and grabbed the small arm, using it like a pull-up bar, hoisting himself up and grabbing the side of her neck. She roared in defiance and Stanley started to panic as he felt the metal grip of the cyborg climbing onto the dinosaur's back, yet he was powerless to do anything about it. Sherman climbed to sit behind the animal's head, where her neck connected with her shoulders. Thanks to his enhanced arms and hands, he was able to hold himself steady in that seat with one hand. He lifted the other high in the air, balling it into a fist and mentally activating the little surprise he had requested of Dr. Temple. 
There was a metallic schlink as a three-inch blade extended out of his wrist over his right hand. The dinosaur bucked and thrashed, moving erratically in an attempt to throw Sherman loose, but his new grip was too strong. With one swift motion, Sherman brought his bladed hand down, puncturing the back of the animal's neck. While the dinosaur's tough skin offered some protection, the blade still cut through. Stanley felt the cold pain above his shoulders, and he mentally screamed in agony just as the dinosaur roared. A sound less terrifying than before, now lined with desperation. Stanley saw the dinosaur's mind waver in that instant, and he took it upon himself to lunge forward, mentally assuming control of the animal's body. Once there, he did the first thing that came to mind, the first thing he would do if he had an assailant on the back of his human body. In almost an instant, Sherman felt the dinosaur's weight shift dramatically. It allowed its right leg to drop, no longer supporting its body. As a result, the animal fell, and heavily, to the right. Sherman was forced to push himself off of the animal's back and roll along its flank, towards the left. Stanley landed hard on his right ribs, and then rolled, the large clawed feet scraping the air in a wide arc, before he clambered up again some distance away. Sherman never stopped moving. As he rolled off the flank, he landed crouching on the floor of the perch. He turned and broke into a run, covering the short distance to his target, just as Stanley was bringing the dinosaur back up. Sherman met him, continuing the dinosaur's momentum. Sherman wrapped his arms around the dinosaur's left leg and lifted with all of his might. His hydraulics pushed, his gears ground, and his wires snapped, and the red lights on his spine flared brightly with the stress as he used the dinosaur's rolling momentum against itself. With an immense show of force, Sherman was able to lift the animal's leg off of the floor and send it into the air. Stanley was effectively thrown to the ground by a foe much, much smaller than himself. As Stanley landed on his right flank yet again, Sherman punched forward, plunging his blade into the dinosaur's soft belly. The cut wasn't deep, but it bled and Stanley felt every inch of the weapon with a cold intensity the likes of which he had never expected, even after suffering it once before. Each stab felt worse than the one that preceded it. Stanley had to finish this, and now. Agent Baker was brought back to consciousness by the sounds of a great conflict happening just outside of his resting place. He was lying crumpled and bent, inside the destroyed aircraft, the open bay door showing the cybernetic Sherman and the Tyrannosaurus Rex facing each other in rough, hard combat, all in the bright light of the mid-afternoon sun. He slowly pulled himself out of the aircraft, and steadied himself as he got to his feet in the perch, just three yards from the open door to the hangar. He felt a sizzling in his head, as the sound made by reception static had coalesced into an actual feeling, and was now popping and twitching its way through his brain. He blinked a few times, then squeezed his eyes shut and opened them again. The strange sensation stopped, and he saw his Omninet display blink back to life. The EMP blast Regina had loosed on them earlier had finally subsided, and now he could access the building's Omninet to its fullest extent. He saw Sherman and the dinosaur fighting. 
and watched as Sherman threw the animal to the ground. Baker was stunned to see the feat, something no normal man could ever hope to do. He knew that the dinosaur wouldn't be down for long, and so he decided to help Sherman where he could. With a thought, Baker accessed the security controls for the perch. He mentally made a selection, and then began moving to the main exit, through which Sherman had entered. There was a low hum as the motors controlling the great sliding doors came to life, and the large pane of glass with the ON logo on it split open. The outside wind rushed in, powerful at a height of over thirty stories, and so near to the coast. Baker staggered his way over towards the exit, turning to watch the fight between Sherman and the dinosaur as he did so. As he backed towards the doors, he heard them slide open behind him. He decided to act on the assumption that Sherman could handle the dinosaur, as it appeared he could. Baker resolved to instead find Regina Santos. He was certain she would be making for her friend, Naomi, and so Baker would head there first. He turned to face the entrance hall, only to find himself looking down the barrel of a gun. Standing at the other end of that gun was the very woman he was about to go find. Back off, Regina said, holding the weapon to point right at Baker's face. Baker did as he was ordered, his eyes fixated on the weapon. How do I even know that you have clearance for that? he asked. Good question, Regina said, feeling extremely more confident when behind the gun. Care to find out? Baker didn't respond. Give me your weapon, Regina commanded, and Baker complied, reaching into his left armpit and removing his firearm, handing it to Regina. She took it in her offhand and held both weapons threateningly. Face the wall and sit down, she said. She continued to watch as Baker followed her order. Then she backed her way into the hallway once more and helped the weak Naomi into the room, leaning her against the wall by the door. Baker turned over his shoulder to look, and Regina swiftly corrected her aim, causing him to resume his position of staring at the wall. Regina strode to stand right behind him, guns pointed down at the back of the agent's head, barrels pressing into his cranium. Regina then looked up to regard the two fighting in the main portion of the large room, and she was shocked into speechlessness at what she saw. Sherman punched again and again at Stanley's stomach, cutting two more holes in his ribs. Yet Sherman was growing wild with power, reveling in his dominance over this great predator, and he got sloppy. He didn't notice that the legs of the animal, once waving wildly, now coiled up to kick out. Sherman had his hand raised for a fourth puncture at when he was struck, full body, by the two clawed feet of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. The cybernetic agent was sent across the floor of the perch at a shocking speed, sparks flying as his metallic parts scraped with the flat surface. His backward slide turned into a tumble as he rolled end over end, small metal bits dislodging and scattering along the floor. He came to rest just a few feet away from the open door to the hangar below. Sherman and Stanley both found their footing at the same time, and turned to face each other once more. 
Stanley felt the hot press of the dinosaur's mind pushing against his own, and there was another presence there as well. The cool, liquid-like sensation of the stabilizer had returned. Stanley took a mental pause, and let both the dinosaur and the stabilizer flow into the cranium at once. The result was the reactivation of the stabilizer, the restoration of balance between man, machine, and beast. The refreshing gel-like feeling returned to his brain, and the dinosaur's eyes once more took on a bright blue glow. Sherman noticed the change in the animal's appearance. Now with neon blue lights shining out of its once normal yellow-green eyes, it gave him pause, a new level of uncertainty. He had seen those eyes before, but he had never seen the animal just turn them on, as it appeared to do so now. They stared each other down, neither moving, with nearly twenty yards between them. Regina pulled one of her guns away from Baker's head and aimed it at Sherman, the cybernetic agent unaware of the threat. She squeezed her finger, attempting to pull the trigger, but the trigger didn't budge. She didn't have Agent Baker's genetic code, after all. The gun was useless in her hands. Frantic, she replaced that barrel to the back of Baker's head and raised the other, pointing it at Sherman and pulling the trigger. Again, the trigger didn't move. Regina looked down at Baker, seated on the floor beside her, looking up. He had seen her attempt, and fail, to use either weapon in her possession. She reacted swiftly, bringing the metal barrel of the gun down heavily against Baker's forehead, sending him sprawling to the floor. She knew he would try and overpower her, and if these guns wouldn't shoot, she could still use them as cudgels. Across the perch, Sherman and Stanley continued to stare each other down. As one, they began to approach one another, slowly. Stanley stalked forward, as a predator would approach another, similar predator, encroaching on its territory. Sherman did the same, but turned at the last minute, moving to the crashed aircraft. Its smashed port wing was lifted into the air at an awkward angle, thanks to the impact it had sustained with the perch's floor. Sherman grabbed onto the wing and hauled himself up even as Stanley closed the distance. His metal hands gripped the bent and broken wingtip with incredible strength, and he began to pull and twist. Stanley moved forward, his pace increasing as he charged at Sherman. With a loud, metallic ripping sound, Sherman tore the wingtip from the plane, holding it in both hands as if it were a giant weapon. He saw Stanley approach, wound up, and swung with the wingtip. Observing the attack and reacting to it in a way that the dinosaur never could, Stanley ducked under the swing and then snapped his snout upwards in response. The pointed metal weapon sliced through the air, and Stanley bucked his nose into Sherman's torso, sending the man falling backwards onto the belly of the plane. Stanley lifted his foot and stepped onto the aircraft, roaring as he looked down at Sherman. Sherman swung the wingtip back and forth, keeping the dinosaur at bay while he pushed himself backwards, trying to get distance between the two of them. Back in the corner of the room, Regina struck Baker again with the gun, bloodying its barrel and keeping the man on the floor. She turned and looked at Stanley, seeing him close to being impaled on the metal wing more than once. She had to help him. She had to find a way to stop Sherman. She scanned the floor swiftly, looking this way and that for something that could be of use. 
pieces of Sherman's metal body were scattered all over. One of them had to be useful in some way. And then she saw something that might, just might, work. Stanley lunged forward to bite at Sherman, only to pull back and barely avoid another swing. Holding the aircraft wing high, Sherman lifted his legs, rolling back onto his spine, and then kicked them out forward. His torso snapped upright, and he landed on his feet, still holding the large weapon. Stanley bit at him, but he smacked the side of Stanley's maw with the flat of the wing, pushing the head out of the way. Stanley instinctively pushed back against the impact, knocking the wing from Sherman's hands and sending the man spinning through the air to land on the floor a short distance away. The Tyrannosaurus stood on the wreckage of the upturned aircraft, crouching low on its large, powerful legs, neon blue eyes staring at Sherman intently as the man found his footing again. They squared off once more, just as before. Sherman decided it was time. He wasn't going to take any more chances. The dinosaur had gone through a noticeable change, and he wasn't going to press his luck. As impressive as his new body was, there was no competing with a powerful handgun in any fight. And Simone was an incredibly powerful handgun. As they stared at each other, Sherman's right hand shot down to the holster with blinding speed, undoubtedly enhanced by the cybernetic implants. He would grab it, raise it, and fire it at Stanley with lethal accuracy, all within the measure of a second. Yet when he grabbed at his hip, his metal fingers brushed against the open and empty holster. He looked down, shocked. He saw it was true. The holster was empty. Simone was gone. He frantically looked back up at the dinosaur, and noticed it wasn't staring at him anymore. Instead, it was looking to the side, at the entrance to the room some distance away. Sherman followed its vision, and saw Regina standing there, Simone in her hands, raised at him. There was a gunshot, louder than Sherman ever remembered, and in the blink of an eye he was lying on the floor again, facing the ceiling, feeling the unrelenting wind of the open perch door. He felt the blood, warm and yet cool at the same time, leaking out over his chest. After all of that, he had been shot, taken down with a single bullet, fired from his own weapon. Baker jumped at the sound of the gunshot, and then looked up to see Regina holding the smoking weapon, and the metal man that was Agent Sherman lying on the floor of the perch. He took in that image for a moment, before Regina turned the gun on him, and had him facing the wall again, now with renewed urgency. Other than the howling wind and the roar of activity from the hangar below, everything in the perch was silent for a few moments. Regina's hands were shaking, but she found that tightening her grip on the weapon allowed her to ignore it. She felt pain in her elbow and shoulder, and knew that the kick from firing the weapon likely bruised her. Naomi looked up at Regina with a newfound respect, and Stanley looked from one part of the room to the next, before finally settling his gaze on the downed Sherman. Seven heavy footsteps brought Stanley down to the agent's side. 
He had been shot in the chest, Simone's round large enough to puncture a hole the size of a fist in the man. Blood and internal organs were splayed all over the floor, most of which were connected with thin neon strands, likely parts of Dr. Temple's tests. He remarkably wasn't dead immediately, but instead laid there, breathing in ragged gasps, his human eye vacantly staring up at the ceiling. It looked painful, although with as much cybernetic enhancements as this man had sustained, Stanley wondered how much pain he could feel at all. Sherman's eyes, both human and machine, focused on Stanley as the dinosaur stood over him. He gasped, a strange, electronic sound coming from his iron jaw. His hand reached up at Stanley, but whether it was a cry for mercy or an expression of anger, Stanley could not be certain. Both Stan and the dinosaur decided they didn't want Sherman in their territory any longer. The Tyrannosaurus snout lowered and the maw opened, closing tightly around what was left of the man's midsection. Sherman's body scraped along the floor with the sickening sound of metal on metal as Stanley lifted him and began walking towards the open glass doors of the perch. Regina, Baker, and Naomi all watched in stunned silence as Stanley carried Sherman to the edge of the perch, and with a swift jerking motion, the metal man was thrown over the edge to fall over thirty stories to the streets below. The dinosaur stood tall, looking down over the edge of the perch, watching for a moment as Sherman fell through the afternoon air. Claws of its forward foot curled over the building's edge. It then turned to look at Baker, Regina, and Naomi, its shining blue eyes going from one to the next. Finally, it turned back to the open door, its head and neck leaning out into the open air, and it loosed a loud roar, a sound of primal power, of sheer natural dominance over the artificial world. Regina took the roar as a punctuation, a sound of finality. The fight was over, and Stanley was all right, though somewhat injured. They were on their way out, finally. But then another roar sounded, similar to Stanley's, but much louder and deeper and with a reverberation that gave it an uncannily machine-like sound. All eyes turned to look at the far doors of the perch, a set of metal shutters that led to other parts of the testing floor. These were thrown wide open, and in their way stood a beast that was just as much machine as Agent Sherman. Nearly sixty feet long, its bulk was unquestionably larger than Stanley's, and its metal bits and turning gears reflected the light of the perch and the afternoon sun with a strange sheen, almost as if wet. Its green eyes were fixed on the smaller dinosaur across the room, and the roar was, without a doubt, a territorial challenge. Ladies, Baker said from his seated position, meet Gabriel. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find the previous season of The Novelcast at nicholascorey.com slash novelcast. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-K.
K-O-R-Y dot com slash NovelCast. The NovelCast is a podcast that is made possible by the support of the fine backers over at Patreon.com slash NovelCast. If you like what you hear and you want to help support this podcast as well, feel free to head to Patreon.com slash NovelCast and donate your support. Any amount is incredibly helpful and deeply appreciated. Also, if you like audiobooks, head over to audiobooks.com slash NovelCast. Audiobooks.com has millions of different titles available, and by heading to audiobooks.com slash NovelCast, you'll not only sign up for their free 30-day trial, but you'll also be showing your support for this podcast as well. Thanks once again for listening, and I will see you next time.